All right, everybody, it is podcast time, and today we've got Emer. She's from Digital Works. She's a mastermind, and look, you probably just bleep me out to listen to her. But what she's going to talk about is how she started her business, some marketing tips, and advice for starting your business. So grab a marshmallow, pull up a log. It's story time. You got cues, throw them down below, or drop me a line. Enjoy. Welcome back, folks. It's Collaboration Station, and we are here with Emer from Digital Works. I'm not going to tutor her in for her. She can do it herself. Talk to me. My name is Emer McManus, and I run a digital marketing agency called Digital Works, DW, based in London. And what we do is we manage the social media of multiple brands across the UK and Ireland. So are you telling me if I work with you, I can get 1 million followers in three months? <laughs> I wish. If you pay for it, yes. Yes. Doable. <laughs> so talk to me about what this process is like. I know that social sure. media is an absolute pain in the tail for me mm -hmm. as an individual going through and posting every single day. Mm -hmm. And you were saying you can make my life easier. Yeah, exactly. So what we actually do at DW is we work in two different ways. A company will come to us and they'll tell us, we have a marketing team and the marketing team needs support with their social media management. What that actually means is if they have people in place, we come in and we train up their team because what happens in this in this world is it changes so fast. And as a company, what we have to do is we have to stay up to date with the trends. So we go in and like retrain marketing teams. And then the other side of the business is that if companies just don't have time or don't have budget to hire a whole team, what they'll do is they'll outsource it to an agency. And then what we do is we become an extension of their team and we take over a brand's social media and represent the brand on their behalf. That seems like the perfect marriage of a client and a, a outsourcing relationship. Yeah. Outsourcing relationship? Outsourcing an agency. Mm. So a client and an agency relationship where it's, we know that in-house communications, PR, advertising teams are always just slammed. Yeah. Everybody just throws everything at them. Mm -hmm. We need an internal comm video. Can you do it? We need some photos for this. We need social media. Can you just do that? And then can you book all this other stuff and make this stuff work? Yeah. And so for you guys to go in to bear the burden, the brunt of the burden on that, to take your professionalism, not only to deliver the job, but then to upskill everybody inside the offices, it seems like a win-win for everybody. It is. And you know what I actually love about it? I think companies are wise when they outsource it because someone like us, we're working across different brands and different sectors. And what that means is we're pulling in knowledge from different sectors. Whereas if you're in a company and you're on the marketing team, you're just focusing on that company's mission and you actually mightn't see from the outside in. All you're doing is looking from the inside out. So someone like us can actually come in and bring in new ideas. Something so random that worked across food and drink might actually work for a fintech company. And we just have to try it. That I, that's huge. Mm. And I feel like a couple of years ago, I feel like there was a massive shift to bring people in-house so that people mm. could save money on creative. So they get the yep. filmmakers, they get the photographers in-house. But the problem is, as you said, they're from the inside looking out. So they mm -hmm. don't necessarily see what's going on in the industry and what other agencies, what other clients are doing. Yep. Whereas because you are specialists, you're on the outside, you look at all brands, mm -hmm. not just one brand. And you learn how all of them are communicating. So then as I hire you to come do my stuff, you take all of that skill from all these things that you've done mm -hmm. to help me. Yeah. Which is an absolute no-brainer as a client. It is. It is. And, you know, I think as well, like for us and for the team, it keeps everybody engaged because you actually don't get bored working on one project. So, like, every time we get a new brief in, you're coming up with new ideas, you're coming up with new strategies. And, like... Once we can convince the client to try something and test it out, once we get over that line, then we have so much creative freedom with what we do. But like everything that we do, you have to track it. We could be pulling ideas in from different sectors, as I said. And what that means is there's also like this big trial and error period. But sometimes, again, if you're a marketing executive or a marketing manager, you might be scared to actually think outside of the box, whereas you can just blame the agency if they Jeez. do it. <laughs> so... Yeah, so, so, so that's why we love it. And another thing as well is with us, like what we found is that if you're working across multiple sectors, you can literally bring your knowledge anywhere. You can bring your knowledge to a pub quiz. You can bring your knowledge to a wedding because you are going to find is someone. Is this really about getting good at pub quizzes? <laughs> this is ridiculous. I know you're inside track. Mm. I, you're right, 100%. It's the skills that, you, that you're utilizing don't just live within social media. No. They live within all asset, mm -hmm. facets of business. Yeah. And I think that's the fun part about what we get to do and be creative in the businesses that we run. Yeah. All too often in my industry, say photo or video, 
there's no tracking on it, right? Okay. So it's like client wants a thing, they want some photos, they want some videos, and they want to put them out on YouTube, and they're going to go viral. And you're like, <laughs> that, no, that is not the way it works. Oh, yeah. And so talk to me about this. My understanding is you put some budget behind photos and videos, but the truth is if you don't track it and you don't have any non-organic reach, yep. as in like paid reach, mm -hmm. how, how can the client, how can we prove to the clients that we're actually valuable? Totally. That, that, you know what, that it works, that is a million dollar question. And really at the start, it is setting realistic objectives. Cause as you said, clients, you know, if they don't understand this industry, they think, oh, I'm going to post a video, put 50 quid behind it. And I'm going to have a million views. That absolutely does not happen. And people need to understand that social media is a marathon and not a sprint. And it really depends on the size of a client's budget. It really does go down to that. If you have a 500 pound budget to spend on organic social media, you're not going to get as far as you would if you had 5,000 pounds to spend because people are going to give you more time. You've got more money to spend on ads. So what we do anytime we start a campaign, we set like KPIs, absolutely realistic based on previous month's growth that they've had. So we look back maybe like six months and we say, okay, your, your website clicks grew by 5% in six months. Your audience grew by 3% in six months. Now, as an agency coming in, we know our benchmark. We know what we can do for brands based on our averages across all of our clients. So then we set that as a benchmark and it could be, okay, well, we'll get 10% growth, you know, in the first eight weeks, for example. We have to track absolutely everything. We do. We never share a social media post. We never share a video, anything at all, unless it's completely tracked. Dang it. I am failing on all fronts <laughs> of social media, including this video. So if you look at, for example, like brand reach and brand recall, we spend all day, every day scrolling on our phones. And this is all we do. Okay, we just scroll. That's true, I see them in the office. <laughs> we scroll and scroll and scroll. And as consumers and, and as human beings, we suffer with information overload. So things aren't actually going in. So when, when it comes to a brand and when it comes to a marketing campaign, we always say to a brand, before even somebody considers even trusting you or, or purchasing from you, they're gonna to need to see your content 15 or 20 times because the first 15 times that you might post or I might see an ad of yours, I'm probably not even going to notice it because I'm actually just scrolling through my feed aimlessly. So what we need to do is when, when we develop a campaign, we need multiple touch points. You need to see someone, you need to touch somebody on their phone, you need to touch somebody when they're on their desktop. If you're doing a really big ads campaign, you need to touch that person when they get off the tube and they're going up the, the escalator and looking for your brand there as well. There's loads of touch points as well that you need to look at like when you start any campaign it's like a photograph like if, if, if we're going to be sharing your image and we want and you've create you've taken this super iconic photograph like i don't know in, lots of them hundreds of thousands yeah in, of a, in alaska for yeah, yeah, example okay. okay and we want everyone to see that but like Sometimes we get so stuck in the fact it needs to just be on social media, but there's, there's times when people aren't on it as well. So we need that posted on Instagram. We need that on Facebook. We need that on LinkedIn. We also need that on the billboards of when people are stuck in traffic because people have started traveling again post, post 2020. Do people even look out of their windows when they drive? Every time I look at anybody driving, they're always like glued to their phone. Yeah. Like you know, hopefully not hitting anybody, but you're just like, <laughs> dude, you're, you're on your phone, you're driving. Yeah, it's, 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 it's that split second and it's the opportunity that you're creating because you will have different types of customers. You know, you're going to have, especially like we see it in marketing. I'm, you, you're like me, I'm, I'm super visual. I need to see everything. Like anytime I have an idea, I sketch it out, even though I'm really bad at drawing where somebody else could write it down. So then we need to think about, okay, if you're, if, if me and you are really visual, some people actually prefer to hear things in audio. So how are, how are we going to promote something? How are we going to promote this image that you created in Alaska? Now we need to think about, okay, so Emer is super visual, put that on a billboard, put that on social media, also sponsor a podcast with that, with that, with the sound of that image. You know, do you ever hear the phrase sound of a brand? It's like Intel, you, you know, you know that noise by Intel, do, 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 do. <laughs> there's a spot right here. You could put a banner ad. So yeah, there's just, there's so many like angles as an agency you need to think about. And this is, this goes back to the whole looking from the outside in versus the inside out. The thing is you're preaching to the choir here, pal. Yeah. The thing for me with social media is social media is just a vast landscape of all sorts of landmines in my opinion just because it's like oh do, do i put attention into this do i pay attention to that do i do that do i do that do i get my dance tiktok video off the day <laughs> and for me is it just managing you know companies family life 
I can make as many excuses as you want to hear. Yeah. But the truth is, I just don't allocate time mm -hmm. towards what I need to do in the social media space. So how can you, obviously an agency is different. And so a majority of the characters that are going to be listening today might just be photographers or yeah. filmmakers. Yeah that are looking to raise their profile yeah, and potentially yeah. get more work yeah, yeah, because yeah. of what's happened in the past mm -hmm. year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, so do you have any advice yeah. for those guys? What can, what can we do as small little one-man bands mm -hmm. or people with our startup businesses? What can we do? Sure. I mean, we can call you and there is pricing available for that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but also what advice can we glean from you yeah. to make our lives better in the social media space? Sure. So when it comes to actually sharing social media content, let's let's let let's talk about the photographers. Let's talk about you guys. Instagram is is going to be your platform. It's super super visual. What happens with social media is people say, even if you're a photographer and you've loads of amazing content, I don't know what to post. I don't know what to say. I have that. That is true. <laughs> so what we normally do is we just break. We just really try simplify it. So simple. Monday to Friday, you're going to do five posts a week. Just categorize them into different themes, okay? Animal shot, uh, person shot, whatever it is, whatever type of photography you're taking, break that down into different themes. Multiply that by four, that's four weeks in the month. That is only 20 images of the 10,000 images that you probably it's have. It's really irritating that you make it that simple, but yes, <laughs> carry on. That's it, it's, it's 20 images out of the thousands and thousands of pieces of content and you're just using five different categories. Literally follow the same category because what you also want is, you want people to go to your feed and understand what you're about just by looking at it. So like they go, oh wow, he takes shots of animals. Wow, he goes to Antarctica. Okay, so he's really into nature. I'm really into this. It could be it could be a car photographer. It could be a portrait photographer. You could go female, male, family, kids. This is really irritating. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really is that simple to just break no, it down. No, I can complain. I can complain. <laughs> I've got loads of data. I've got hundreds of terabytes of stuff. I want yeah. to complain about how I don't know how to post stuff. Dang it, that is so simple. And yes, that is very practical and straightforward advice. Yeah. And so in your opinion, does it need to be like the best shot ever? No. Okay, talk to me about this. It doesn't, okay? Because now you can't share like five really bad photographs, but like what you can do is, again, I love this about photography. On Instagram, you can share up to 10 images in one post. It's called a carousel, okay? So when people go onto your Instagram feed and they see multiple images, they start swiping. Now what that actually does as well is it tells Instagram that this person who is viewing this content is interested because they're taking an action. So what you actually can do is you can share a whole journey. So for example, if you shot penguins, for example, you could share 10 images. So like some of them mightn't be your best work. Some of them are absolutely incredible. What you can do then is if you wanted to share the penguins again in two weeks, reorder that reorder that carousel of those of the of those 10 images people will not remember seeing that content two weeks prior to that so all the all the times you sit there and you're like oh should i post this photo should i not post this photo just post the damn photo post the photo and you know what with instagram as business owners we care so much about what is on our feed whereas our followers yes they're interested they follow us they want to engage with it but they do not overanalyze it as much as us so just post the photo and then look at your statistics and if it has loads of likes reach etc you know it's worked do you hear that <laughs> do that it, it's fascinating because I am in that exact space. Okay. Like I will beat myself up. It's like I've taken hundreds of thousands, millions of images mm -hmm. all over the place. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to post that. Like if I post that, like, mm, you know, maybe not. Mm -hmm. and, and then that was before this lockdown thing. Yeah. And then I got into a situation where I was like, I'm a travel photographer. Nobody's traveling. Mm -hmm. Do I want to play the game of like, hey, y'all can't travel. Here, look at me posting travel photos. So I just kind of went on pause, mm -hmm. which is then when I started this. Yeah. You know, just a way to have yeah, a creative outlet when I wasn't able to do what I got to do. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, why was I not? I, I should have been posting photos because the truth is nobody was traveling. Everybody knew I wasn't traveling. Yeah. Just post them anyway and then talk about them. Yeah, exactly. People won't make a judgment just because you're a travel photographer posting photographs. And really, you have to think about what is the end goal. Are you just posting them to post them to share it with the world? Are you posting them to get commissioned on other jobs? Are you posting them to sell them in the future? You know, so so just thinking about that end goal as well, like like what is the purpose of you actually 
posting those and I think absolutely be posting them because people also love seeing travel shots because it inspires them and gets them excited to see the world again. What if you're a one trick pony and you kind of only have the same sort of photographs? Is that okay? That's fine because you're going to have people who are just interested in that type of photograph. For all you one trick ponies, keep posting. But, but then I think the fun part is then you get to go into the story. Right, yeah. So then that's when text comes in. It's like, yes, Instagram, the visuals are going to catch them. Mm -hmm. But what I've found as one who doesn't necessarily read as much as maybe the next guy or the next gal, um, when I see a long post on Instagram, I'll pause. And I'll be like, ooh, that person typically does not write that much. I'm going to read that because they don't write at yeah. all ever. And so I want to get a little bit of backstory on the story itself. And then you go... I can better connect with that photographer or that filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So you have context and you like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Now, now I get that image. So then you're excited for the next one. So true. And as well, you know, when you're talking about like the amount that people write, again, you have two people. You have people who want to read one sentence and, sentence and see the visual. And then you have the other people who want to read the whole story. They want to know everything. They want to know the, your whole day behind taking that image. So, so you've got the two types there. Well, then, then, then that also leads us into stories. Because mm. I used to say, it, I got so irritated with it, social media. I was, I'm a social being. I want to see human beings. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sick and tired of using this stupid platform. I like want to talk. I want to high five people. Um, but as somebody, I can't remember who said it. But they basically said, look, if you post on Instagram, just consider it a journal. And so that way you can go back through life and it just categorizes your life. And it's just like periods of time. And I'm like... That was the unlock for me. And I'm Love like, that. I'm going to start posting on stories because I was gravitating towards photographers and filmmakers that I know personally. Mm -hmm. And I was interested in their life. Like nice. just the normal stuff that I was like, nobody would ever be interested in that. But yet I'm interested in it. So I like, I'm like, okay, oh, cool. They're going to shoot. What bag are they rolling? What lens did they bring? Like what, what did they, what did they just pull? What is that in their bag? See, yes, I love it because it's people like you, you know, like, like they're, they're like-minded like you. It's like us. We follow other agencies and we want to find out what they're doing at their agencies. And if we think they're doing something cool, we're like, guys, we need to get on that. I, 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 to I totally get that. It's like, I was talking to you the other day about, you know, like kit and like, you know, all the different types of kit that you have in your office is absolutely insane. And like, that is like, that is a kid in a candy store like when when you're when you're into photography you know but if you're not into it it might not make any difference to you you mightn't realize how awesome this canon camera is here you know oh you mean this little this little bad boy oh yeah this thing okay right. no i get it because when, when i started making the videos in the office people were always asking about what was in the background i.e like the dinosaur or oh, yeah. the the lightning bolt or like this stuff in the background i always i was like oh yeah I, I mean, they're normal to me because I see them every day. They're in my office or the quote that's in my office. But I'm like, it just kind of switches yep. people's mindset up when they get to see something new or something else totally. that's different to theirs. So let's get back to making millions of dollars and having hundreds of bazillions of followers. So you can do this for an agency mm -hmm. and you can do this for an individual. Um, what do you like working on more? That is a really good question. Um... I think it depends on the brand. We love, we really love working with small teams because we can add so much value. Whereas sometimes in the corporate world, you, you, you might get a bit lost. Um, what we've started doing in terms of, you know, the last 12 months, we had to do a huge pivot of our business because, you know, a lot of our business was made by social media content of us being in the office, sharing videos, sharing tips. And, and we all worked from home for the last 12 months. So what we did was, and this is something that we realized we love, we hosted workshops for really large groups of people on Zoom. And that is going to be one of the routes that we take going forward, like hosting regular workshops and just giving people tips. Yeah, that that is interesting because loads of, loads of people in this industry are figuring out ways to pivot. Mm. And uh, I, was, I was chatting with a couple of colleagues that are filmmakers and photographers, and they have literally locked up all their camera equipment, parked it, and have no intention of picking it up again. They've shifted to yeah. webinars. They've, they've shot hundreds of hours of content utilizing some technology in the little computer things <laughs> and using iPhones. I yeah. mean, it is insane. These are guys that I shot loads of stuff with in the States. They've shifted over to iPhones. They send iPhones out to clients with tripods, with ring lights and everything else. And they run the show with the CEO in his office. So you can reschedule like that. No big deal. He's got five minutes. 
boom, it's set up, yeah. sits down, delivers the line. Mm -hmm. And in the past, you used to have to go out, grab all the camera equipment, grab the lights, get the crew, show up, go sit in the office, set up an hour early, and be ready for this guy so he's got five minutes to sit down and do the thing. And you're like, and then the, the company's wasting shed loads of cash Yeah. for that five-minute retake, mm -hmm. whereas now it can be done virtually. Yeah. And you're like, is the world going to return to its old state or is this a new avenue? We've realized that we can work from home. And in fact, sometimes it's nicer to work from home. Sometimes it's nice to be in the office. But now we have both options. Mm -hmm. And I feel like companies that can pivot like yours, it's kind of like they lifted the veil on totally. these opportunities. Mm -hmm. And now you just have to be open to them and willing to do them. Yeah, exactly. And this was the thing. like. Being completely honest, when we first started doing them, we started doing them for free because we just wanted to, to, to make a bit of a footprint in sort of like the webinar Zoom training sphere, which just really started like last April when we left the office. But now we host workshops for either a, a really large corporation that has a very big marketing team or else they have multiple marketing teams across Ireland, across the UK. Um, and we'll and and we'll make a big plan and we do charge a fee for those but like that all stemmed and and this this could be taken for you know if you're a photographer just doing those free workshops to start off or offering some part of your service for free there's so much competition in our industry and the same in yours that you have to actually show how much value that you can add before you want people to start paying for it and yeah you dropped the f word in here you said free Okay, so that's a highly disputed yeah, okay. conversation you know in what? my world. I believe it wholeheartedly. Can we can we take that out? No, you keep that in, and we want to talk about it. <laughs> free. So working for free, I am all about it because my my thought process is nothing's free. Mm. There's always an exchange. Always. And so sometimes you might be delivering a service at no cost, but you're gleaning loads of information. So actually, you're getting paid in R and D. You know, it might not be a couple of pounds in your pocket. It's actually, I'm getting this wealth of information from all of these people that are going to be on this webinar. Mm. You can listen, you can learn, and then you can adapt and you can change. And the next time you do it, well, you've had experience now, and now you're on your way to being a pro, mm -hmm. and you can charge properly for the next round. 100%. You have to look at the bigger picture with this. If you're going to host one webinar and you do it for free, that's fine. That's your decision. We, however, mapped it out. We mapped it out from start to finish. And we say, okay, we're going to do webinars every single, every two weeks, sorry, for 12 months. By the time we got to that 12th month, we're now deciding who we do webinars for and when we do them. But that took us so much public speaking and events, which has been amazing and so much fun. But you have to look at the picture and plan it out because if you don't, you will just end up working for free and then not feel like you're getting anything in return. But we knew from day one, the only criteria that we had was any webinar that we do, the company has to promote it or the individuals you know, are encouraged to promote it after it. That's it. So the... You showing up for free, delivering a service. And in the exchange, it was like, if we're going to do it for at zero cost, you have to promote the heck out of it. Exactly. And therefore, that works. Absolutely, because now we have 10, 15, 20, 500 people knowing about us than, than we previously would have if we didn't offer this one-hour service. So what I'm hearing here is you kind of have to have a plan. Yeah, you need to see the bigger picture. You know, you right at the start, you will feel like, oh my gosh, like, why am I doing this? By the end, you have to be patient. By the end, you will be like, yes, I'm so glad I did that last year. I think it's, it's hard for a lot of people to see that because it's yeah. in the beginning when, you're not, when you don't have a plan, you go, okay, I've got to feed my kids. I've got to put a roof yeah. over my house. I, I mean, I've got to put a house over my head or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. I think the hard part in these situations is when you're at that spot where things aren't going great, you've lost all your business, and now you've got to pivot and make a plan. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Yeah. Because you're predicting in the future, you might not have a cash flow, you, you've got to cover your costs, and then you go, okay, well, I'm going to go do a bunch of stuff for free, but I'm trying to think on a 12-month term, but you're really just trying to get something in the door. Mm -hmm. And I think as, as photographers and filmmakers, we often fall into this. I'm not saying all of you, but me, I do. It's like you kind of, you put your blinders on, if something comes in, you just do it. 
mm-hmm. and then you forget about what's going on out there. Yeah. But you're like, no, no, no. You have to keep your eyes up. You have to keep your eyes on the horizon because if you don't, you're going to get distracted here and not follow through on your plan. And then it doesn't work. Yeah. So if you, if you did the one webinar and you did it for free and you're just like, okay, well, that, you know, that didn't work. That was a failure. The first one probably wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, mm, all right, I think <laughs> one of them I actually I did I did here uh, in the office and I it was such a disaster I completely forgot that the cleaners were coming in and we had maybe 30 yeah. people on it it was it was absolutely awful and I literally wanted the ground to swallow me up and the sound basically my my the battery and my headphones had died and I didn't have plug-in ones for my computer mm-hmm. and I didn't have my laptop with me so I couldn't go into like a small room and so I could when I was delivering the webinar it was it was an hour and maybe 15 minutes five minutes in I could hear the hoovering in the distance and I was like <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh no. My team will tell you the story. Like I was traumatized. I, I, I didn't sleep, I'd say for three days after it. And I, it was one of those moments where I was like, do you sink or do you swim? And I was like, okay, so if I was on stage doing a performance and I fell, the performer would just get right up and keep going. And that was a big mistake I made because 20 minutes in, nobody could hear me. The sound of the hoover was so close to me. The, 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 the lady hoovering went behind me so the, so the attendees could see her hoovering behind me. And I just kept going. I just, Justin, I just put the blinders on. I just put the blinders on and I kept going. And that was a huge mistake I made. But what I didn't do was give up. I did another webinar a week after and I re-recorded that webinar and sent it to those people. You have to do it. You just have to like those mistakes and that massive setback I had, like it, 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 I, I felt like I let myself down and let my team down, but then I just moved on, got over it and sorted the problem. And that was probably 10 webinars ago. <laughs> Bought a boob, learned from your mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So I w- so in this situation, I find it interesting with um, various characters I work with and do Zoom calls and various other calls. Mm-hmm. And uh, technology matters i.e. backup headphones or a different kind of microphone or an audio recording device. So if you if this messes up and the computer doesn't work, you got a backup recording. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff is tech and it costs money. And my thing is kit matters. Yeah. Like it does. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you need it. It makes your life easier. Yes, it is expensive. It's an outlay in the beginning, but it makes you feel more confident, more comfortable when you are confident and comfortable with it. Yeah. So it's not a burden on the project. But for you, if you had if you had that second laptop, if you had that second pair of headphones or spare headphones just to get those headphones go down. Yeah. It could have made your life a little bit easier. Massively so. And that was you're you're so right. That was a huge thing I took away. I was like, if I just had a second set of headphones in the office. But like I also learned that in that moment, I'll tell you another story actually, but in that moment I should have just stopped and I should have cancelled it. But when you're so new to something like this, you just keep going because, and and I didn't realise as well on the other side how bad my sound was and I couldn't see the chat. And then maybe a month ago I was delivering another webinar and I got a really bad cough, like really, really bad. And you know what I did? I stopped it for 25 minutes. I just told everyone, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to go and sort myself out. Came back 25 minutes later and it was all good. And everybody really appreciated that. And they went and had a cup of tea. And, you know, so I've, I've learned, like when, when something like that happens, just stop and reassess and start again. Well, I will say this, that that happens all the time when filming. You, yeah. could be, you could be prepping, getting everything ready, sounds ready, lights are ready, cameras are ready, and you're filming outside and sun shifts or a bird shows up. And you're like, <laughs> I've been setting up for two hours sitting here and no birds, not a single sound. And then a train goes by. You're like, there's not even a train track near here. And there's a train? And it's like, and then lawnmowers start going. And then like the guy who's hoovering the inside of the house. And you're like, how in the heck is all this happening right now? I've only got three minutes to film this thing. Mm. And one thing that I've found in my years of experience, you try and like in the beginning, you're like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to piss anybody off. I'm just going to like film it and then hope I can fix it in post. Don't ever fix it in post. You stop and you go over to the dude who's hoovering. You go over to the person who's mowing the lawn, mowing the lawn and you say, can you just give us 10 minutes? They go, yeah. 
I was dying to take a break anyway. <laughs> you know, and, and in that situation, yeah. like you did, you paused and you said, hey, I got a cough. I got to go. I'll mm-hmm. be back in 25. You know, some people be pissed off. Yeah. You just go, the final product's going to be better for it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that comes with confidence. Yeah. Like that first time you didn't have the confidence to do that because you're like, oh my God. And then yeah. several down the road you did. Yeah. And I think that's, that's professionalism and that comes with experience and practice. Okay, cool. So you've got this business thing. You are a small business owner. Talk to me about how it came about yeah. and uh, how you got here. For sure. Um, so I studied economics in university and I came over to London to do an internship uh, in a marketing company and they actually made a pivot from doing PR into social media when I was 20, 20 years old. So what I did was I absolutely fell in love with the industry and I convinced my uni to allow me to defer a year so I could stay in London and basically learn everything I possibly could about marketing, in particular social media, before I went back to Ireland because I knew the minute I finished my degree, I'd start applying for jobs. So you know, I, they didn't have social media in college when I was in college, <laughs> but carry on. Yeah, I was, I was round two of Facebook oh, I, when Zucks launched. It's round two was at my college. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So you decided to stick around London and glean all the information you got. Yeah, yeah, I did that. And 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 the thing I did, I'm I'm 28 now. I started my business when I was 24. And what I did was I built up my LinkedIn. LinkedIn was just a new thing that I didn't I, I didn't really know what it was, but I was like, this is like Facebook for business people. And I was like, I'm gonna make loads of connections because when I finish my degree, I'll have all of these connections I can maybe, you know, make actual contact with someday. What happened, the actual story, is that I went back to Ireland to finish my degree and I stopped working at the agency and I started freelancing. Just like, I didn't even try, it was just a company came to me and they were like, oh, we've seen you left your role at this this agency, so do you want to work with us? And I was like, sure, you know, I have a part-time job while I'm studying, ideal, um, doing it all for my bedroom. So that year I was, yeah, 24, so a year and a half after that I graduated and I, my parents just kept saying to me, just go set up a business, just do it. And I was like, I don't know the first thing. And this was the thing. Google was my best friend, Google and podcasts when it came to setting up a business. But they, they spent about two or three months trying to convince me to do this while I was like, just tapping away in my laptop. You do know that that is not normal. Like parents typically don't like kick you out the door and say, go start your own business. It's usually like, just, you need to just stay in college and like, safe job a safe job that when i was in college that was that was the thing but then they saw what i had done in london and they 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 really started believing in me but it took a long time to convince them it wasn't just a quick decision um then i decided i wasn't going to set up a business and they said no you 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 have to (laughs) (laughs) not that you have to i can do you know so one day i remember i remember it so well it was august so i registered the company in october 2017 but i didn't actually start trading until like April and May, um, 2018. So I was, I was in my bedroom and I was tapping away, doing my freelancing for this one company. And then something just came to me and I was like, just do it, just, just do it. And it was like 3 p.m. in the afternoon and I'm from the south of Ireland. And I went downstairs, I, got, I borrowed my mom's car because my boot in my car wasn't big enough at the time. I drove three hours to Ikea and I bought this massive desk, this, this huge desk that probably didn't even fit into my bedroom. And I remember my sister, I remember my sister ringing me being like, are you actually on the road to Ikea and it's seven o'clock in the evening? I was like, yeah, I'm setting up a business tomorrow and I need to have this desk. And this is like a definition of my personality that my team will tell you when I want things, I want it right now, um, which is a good and bad thing. Well, I typically want it yesterday. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, good on you. Yeah. At least you're realistic. Exactly. Yeah. At least it's today. <laughs> so, so what I did was it was a six hour loop. And I got home at like maybe 11 p.m. at night and I stayed up all night until seven o'clock that morning. I built this this sort of two-tier desk in my bedroom. And then I rang Becca, who's one of the girls that still works with me. And because we had a relationship in London before that we'd worked together on like two or three other businesses when I was freelancing. And I rang her and I said, I'm setting up a business. Can you help me come up with a name? And this was even before I moved back to London. And then we spent an hour on the phone and then we came up with the name Digital Works. And that was it. And I still have that desk at home. <laughs> that is awesome. And I feel like more business people need to have that. It's like you need to you need to scratch that itch. You yeah. need to if you feel it and you know that it's there, you need to do something about yeah. it. And it, not everybody's wired the same way. Mm-hmm. And I get that. 
Um, I'm wired in a particular way. I'm willing to take a little bit more risk than maybe some other characters in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's just the way that I am. Yeah. And I, w I couldn't do it any other way. I love that. But also just to respect the other people that it's like, they want to do it a different way. That's cool too. Mm -hmm. But just when, you know, sometimes I go, God, man, it'd be so nice to just get a paycheck some days. And then you go, when you're sitting doing something really interesting, you're like, nah, nah yeah. I'm really happy that I'm just doing it the way, this way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but I think it's, it's knowing that if you've got that personality type, you got to go. You have to do it and no, like no risk, no reward. And I think before, like, especially maybe before the last 12 months, I used to think the smallest thing was the biggest drama. Now no, nothing really phases me. If something happens, we fix it. You mean that's a global it. pandemic put it, everything into perspective? It did. Oh, that's cool. great. <laughs> like me and seven billion other people. <laughs> it really did though. And like when it comes to setting up a business, just do it because you will understand that everyone is in the same boat. And like, we, we still don't know what we're doing. I wing it a lot. Oh, don't say that. Your clients don't care. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. I mean, I was just talking about this not, not too long ago. Mm. It, it, it's like when I was younger starting out, I was looking to all these older photographers and like their pricing models and how it worked and how they build. And now I'm on the phone with the same guys. All of it's changed. Yeah. Like their pricing models don't work anymore because they aren't going to print as much. Now mm -hmm. they're going, they want stuff for social. And you're like, uh, how do we bill for social? How yeah. do we bill for photo and video? And, and it's like, everybody's just winging it. It is. And this is where collaboration comes in. And like, especially if you're a photographer, join those groups. Do not be afraid to ask for help because if you're if you're going to join a specific group and you have a question, you can guarantee that there's 20 or 30 or 40 other people who have the same question who maybe just didn't have the courage to ask it. So you have to ask and like this this at DW like I have the most amazing team and the business wouldn't have grown if it wasn't for them. And our biggest thing is collaboration. If you have an idea, just say it even if it's absolutely crazy and you might think we'll say no, say it anyway or ask the question anyway because someone else might have been thinking it they might have been thinking it but it also might be a stepping stone to the next idea exactly that idea could be crap mm -hmm. but that idea got my brain going in this way yeah and i'm like we can build on that mm -hmm. and it's gonna it could be like this mm. and and yeah and on that like just going back to the collaboration point sometimes oh you mean because we're on collaboration station <laughs> yeah great yes. okay carry on we have to remember that like i'm in a group with five five hundred other agencies and I always remember this, and even if you're a photographer, no matter what you do, there are always more customers than competitors out there. So do not be afraid to collaborate, share ideas, share resources, because there's always more business out there and there's not as many competitors as there are customers. I use a different one. I used to say a rising tide floats all ships. Nice. And Love it's that. just like, look, as the industry grows, we're all gonna get work. So if you mm -hmm. start to get greedy and you start to hold stuff close to your chest, you're like, come on, that's not what this is about. So true. If we can help one another, we can all grow together. Amen. What advice do you give anybody who's out there trying to start a small business? Hmm. What advice can you give to those guys? Give me a couple pointers. I think just trust trust your instinct. If you, if you want to do this, try not to worry about what anyone else will say because at the end of the day, it's 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 all about you. And when, even when I started the, this business, I was worried about what people thought. And then at the end of the day, you have to think people don't care about you as much as you think they might. Um, another thing is like like a real practical piece of advice I could give is that when I set up this business. I did not know how to register a company. I did not know how to do accounts, filing a tax. I literally Googled it and listened to podcasts. I remember being on the way to meetings, like my first ever meetings in London, and a client asked me about Google Analytics. I had no idea. So do you know what I did on the train <laughs> from, from, from my flat to the meeting? I listened to a whole podcast on Google Analytics, and I went in, and I reeled off everything I knew. And then at the end of it, I won the client, and then I had to go and completely learn everything in Google Analytics. But... But you have to educate yourself um, and I just think trusting your instinct like I, I, I really I really really do and something as well like that that I believe in is if you're just nice and you just you know you're just willing to to, to help people or give advice or just be kind you will thrive in business I don't know how long it's going to take but if you're just a good egg you will I'm I love it oh. <laughs> Yes. If you are a good egg, you will thrive in will. the world, in relationships, in business, all of it. If you're a good human being and hope to do good, 
I feel like you're going to win. If you're sneaky and you're going to like try and like be underhanded, eventually you will be found out. So true. And I have actually one more piece of advice that, that was probably one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given is by a lady called Penny Blake. And when I was starting my company, um, I was really lucky and I went over to Croatia to give a talk and I met Penny at this talk and she was one of the other speakers. And, you know, she said to me, when you make your first hire, she said, Emer, no matter if it's your first or if it's your 10th, hire the attitude and teach everything else. If you hire someone with a good attitude who just wants to thrive, wants to learn, they will be able to do anything. I wholeheartedly, everything you said, yes. Yeah. I often, you get into situations where people outsource their intuition to other people and you're like, <laughs> yeah, but they don't see what you see. So why would you trust them? Yeah. It is mind boggling. Mm -hmm. And then the collaboration and meeting with people and connecting with people and doing good and being a good human being. I mean, why do I feel like that's pretty simple? Yeah, it is. It's like planning your social media content. Use five different themes. <laughs> Dang it. Um, the Google thing is interesting because I, I find that, say like I eat with camera equipment, right? So a new camera comes out and you're like, Okay, where's that button? Where's that menu? <laughs> like I have to Google stuff yeah. all the time and I'm the professional photographer. Same. This thing can do far more than I know what it can do. Yeah. But I, you just, you go, okay, cool. If I need to use that function, I'll learn that <laughs> function at the time I need to learn the function, but not a minute before. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like being humble enough to know that you don't know everything yes. is a huge part of that. Yes. It's like, I am, I am good at what I do. Mm -hmm. I am not the best photographer there has ever been. I'm not the best filmmaker there's ever been, but I'm pretty good at what I do yeah. and I can do it quite well. Mm -hmm. And if I need to learn some things, the first thing I do is I go to Google, whether that's like how to hammer a nail into a post in my house <laughs> or where do I find that menu on the camera? Yes. Yeah. It's the same in using the tools. Mm -hmm. Don't, if you're not using the tools that are supplied to you, it's just like, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, and just not being afraid to ask, not being afraid to reach out to someone who's in the same industry as you and just literally asking them the question. What you're actually doing there then is building that relationship with that person oh, as well. stop it, building relationships. <laughs> that's, so to me, that's what this collaboration station thing yeah. is all about. It's like, there's a bunch of people in this office we work at, mm -hmm. right? They're all doing individual things, but we are all dealing with the same problems. It's, yeah. you know, it's, we have a problem. We have a crisis. Yep. We need to bring in more clients. We need to service our clients. We need to deliver the best that we can possibly deliver in the areas that we deliver them in. Um, but can I help you with anything? Is there anything that like, maybe I know some people that might need your service. Maybe I need your service or likewise. So there's, it, it's asking other people and talking to other people about what you do. And it, what I love to do is over deliver. It's constantly over delivering, giving people more than what they pay for. And they go, that guy's pretty nice. I like that person. Mm -hmm. You know, that's good. They help me out. Love it. Your ethos, my ethos, very similar in business. Mm -hmm. I think the goal of any of it is to build great relationships. Yeah. And if we're not in it for relationships, it's like, what are we in it for? We 100%. in it for bank balances. And you go, we can't take that to the grave. No, no, you can't. You know, that relationship building, that's the dividends you get. I sat here for 12 months by myself in this office trying to just win clients and I just did everything humanly possible. Do a talk? No problem. Send an email, never sent one before in a newsletter. I'll do it. Yeah, no problem. Just do it and then learn after. That's, I mean, that's an incredible trait that you have. Um, I fall into the category of wanting to do something together and collaborate with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So my skills go to here, mm -hmm. whatever those skills might be. What I want to find is maybe like a workout buddy where they can bring something to the table. But I think the trick or the, not the trick, the problem I've always found is you're always going to care more because it's your business. Yeah. So if you bring somebody in, you go, okay, well, maybe they're not going to have the same oomph. They're not going to have yeah. the same excitement because it's not their thing. So do you go into a partnership? Because they often say the only ships that don't sail are partnerships. Mm-hmm. So you go, do you pay an employee? Because as a small business, you go, overhead yeah. can kill you quickly. Yeah. You go, but I need somebody to help me out. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to get to this point. Or do you just 
tear it up, throw it in the air and say, I'm just going to do everything myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me and for my company, like my team are the reason it's growing. Like they are so good at what we do and what we offer. And that's why I'm like this now. This is why I can walk into a company and confidently say that we can get results. Um, making that decision right at the start in terms of who to hire, that was really important. But it all went back to hire the attitude and teach the rest. Now, the team are experienced, but but I, I just think your connection with someone and their ability to connect with clients, that's what I was looking for, you know, more than anything. We can learn everything. You can do courses. You can do whatever. You can come up with the ideas, but but if you if you have the right people representing you, it's worth, it's worth the overhead. Talk to me about the concept of pivoting, because in any business, you go into business to deliver a thing. Mm-hmm. And when the world fell to pieces, you made a conscious choice to pivot. Mm. Still in your same space, yeah. but you changed direction a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, was that hard? Was Did that, like, fin- financial ramifications? Did it hurt your heart? You're like, that's not what I wanted to do, but I've got to do it. Talk to me about the thought process and then the delivery on that pivot. Sure. The, the thought process really happened after last, during like the, the start of the pandemic, we had three phone calls where we lost three really big clients, like within the space of 24 hours. And I remember being like, okay, I'd never expected this to happen, but we just need to take action really, really quickly. And something that we, we always wanted to dip our toes into this didn't, this pivot in terms of offering workshops and training didn't come out of thin air. It was something on the horizon, but we were so busy doing everything else that we just sort of parked it. And in, I remember in that moment, we were like, okay, we are gonna start doing workshops and we have to create a roadmap. And then once we actually get to an established level of doing these, we will start charging for them. So yes, there was a financial ramification in place. And this is where, when you own a business, you need to know the numbers from day one. You need to know absolutely everything. And I was given that advice maybe 18 months into my business. And if I was given that sooner, maybe I would have done things a bit differently. Um, Knowing the numbers is so important and knowing what you can afford and what you can't afford to do. And I knew that we could afford to take that month to like reevaluate what we were offering and then reinvest in like kit, extra laptops, you know, um, anything to make everyone's lives easier working from home and delivering workshops from home. Um, but that all came down to, to knowing the numbers. And in terms of, did the pivot hurt my heart? No, I absolutely love it. And I really want to do more of these. We, myself and the team, we would do these every single day if we could, we love them so much because the people who are on them, we, we kind of forgot almost how much knowledge that we actually have, uh, in terms of our industry. It's like you, like you're a photographer, you know, everything about photography Well, maybe not everything, but a, a thousand times more than I know. And we do social media and you know, if you're, if you're a small food and drink business owner, or if you own like a clinic, for example, you know everything about your industry, but you don't know about social media. So we actually forgot how much we knew. And we've since been so invigorated because people are coming back to us saying, wow, I learned so much. I applied that to my business. And myself and the team are like, oh my gosh, this is so satisfying because every week someone else is coming back to us saying, hey guys, even if it's on an Instagram DM, I use that and it worked for me. And we were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Because to us, that's a no brainer, like it's second nature. But to them, it's something like, like that's new to them and that's worked for their business. But when we did that day in, day out for our clients, we forgot how valuable it was. And now we, we almost, we've remembered how valuable we are as a team by doing this. That's a pretty good thing to realize mm, that yeah. all this kind of like stuff you had in the closet, you're like, all right, I get to get that outfit again. Yeah. Great. I think the a lot of the guys that I'm dealing with, guys and girls, I use that as a general term, humans, <laughs> um, there's a certain type of character that wishes to go back. Yeah. It's kind of like the high school quarterback who <laughs> wants to go live the glory days. Um, I'm not talking about you, Mike McGrain, buddy. Um, <clears throat> but going back and living the days through high school, you just go, they were days. They, they yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. College happened. And you go... I'm not turning back. Like this, no. world, we are going to be living with this yeah. for the rest of our lives. And you go, you as a business have to figure out how to change your offering to solve those problems. Yeah. And I, you know, there's people that wish we could go back, but the truth is we're never going back. We're so, not. So we're, what's we're, next? 
Yeah, exactly. And and for us, I think like that mix of working directly with the brands is, is great. The workshops, however, just really remind us like why we love doing what we do. Going full circle back to social media. Social media, the reason I hated it was it wasn't social. Mm-hmm. But that's because I was blind to the fact that it really was. <laughs> it was a way that I could actually connect better. Yeah to more people on a grander scale. And webinars are very similar. Webinars, mm-hmm. you connect with more people in a shorter amount of time, therefore potential clients. Yeah, You can help more people, you can share your story to more people. And you go, if you can get another couple of DMs that say, I really, thanks, that really helped my business. And you just go, yes, yeah, that's it. webinar. That's it. Like like that tiny bit of feedback means so much and you know it's 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 so small and and but it really does. It's something that hits home where like if it's one of the team that's been flagged in this message or this email I'm like well done yeah. You know. But I think at the same time it's like recognizing that that is the case. So if somebody gives you some information you use it for your business and it works. Yeah. Let them know. Let them know. Give the feedback. Yeah. Because how wonderful that feels for that person. Mm-hmm. Don't just let it go unsaid. Yeah. Say it. Yeah. Because what it does is it creates this beautiful trust, tree trust, yeah. excitement circle or whatever it might be. Just a lot of awesome uh, appreciation. Yeah. And it's amazing how they send it to you and you're like, oh, I feel really good. And I think I'm going to do that for somebody else. I'm going to then, I'm grateful for somebody else. Yeah doodle that note down and it goes and it's amazing the impact that it has massive because in what i've been up to over the course of the past year is i've been working on a couple of projects and what i found is energy is contagious and it's if you can bring energy to the table you can energize others and then they can then do the same thing Mm -hmm. and it goes into their business it goes into their family life it goes into their lives and all the friends that they have and you go we need more of this we need a lot more of this yeah and I feel like the past year of down in the dumps, a lot of people unhappy, a lot of people lost a lot, people are sad, things aren't going right. It's like we've got to bring optimism and positivity into this world. Totally. All right, and that's it. Emer, thank you very much for being with us. You're amazing. Um, your business sounds incredible. And if you haven't checked them out, uh, how can we check you out? Uh, check us out at Digital Works Agency on Instagram and www.digitalworksagency.com. Bada boom. Taco burrito. It's a wrap. We're out of here.